0: So I called them and that didn't work very well. And they were like, no, 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 you owe the money, blah, 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 blah. OK. And I was like, OK. So I went to my mom's house and my mom said, oh, OK, take. I'll handle this. She got on the phone and then there was a new side of my mom I'd never seen before. Her voice went up like quadruple the volume and sh- her face turned red. And about one <laughs> minute later, they decided that I didn't owe them any money. She said the same things I said, but she said it like, I'm going to come get you. Lawyers are coming. Like, I've called this lawyer and that lawyer, and you guys are going to be in so much trouble. And do you know who your local representative is? I do. And it was like one, it was like 60 seconds later, they decided that it was not my responsibility. It was my employer's responsibility. Wow, I really admire your mom. (laughs) And that's, scenario, she's got different levels of mom quality.
1: (laughs) That's what every child wants their parents to do when they need their help.
0: (laughs) Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith. And today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, Alex. Hello, Jason. Hello, everybody. This is LA. Welcome to The Bridge. With inflation and homelessness on the rise in the U.S., the economy feels increasingly unfair for poor Americans, whatever that means now. CNN and many other news outlets offer some tips for Americans on which bills to prioritize. With inflation increasing at levels still higher than ideal, even though it's down a little bit, what can you do to protect yourself in one of the worst economies in recent U.S. history? What do you think, Alex?
1: I mean, the inflation lately, when I talk to my friends in America, it's getting a little out of hand, so it's good at least... When you say that it's down a little bit, so life could be a little bit easier, but even without inflation before, at least without really bad inflation before when I was living in the U.S., it still felt like you need to do a lot of planning on your financial situations to really make sure that you're getting by unless you got a really, really, really cushiony job that pays a lot. Otherwise, if you're not one of the top, say 5% of society, I just feel like you need to always think about how you're spending your money to make sure that you're save if just in case something happens.
0: Yeah. You know, I was looking at the statistics. It's about 10% of Americans have zero savings and about 10% of Americans, you know, the next level up have a maybe just under a thousand dollars. And then, you know, increasingly you get up to the point where the top five or 10% have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think it's the top 10% has above $50,000. That's what it is. So th- that's not ideal because you have a very stratified society and a lot of people, 10% of America, that's, I don't know, 35 million people-ish. So 35 million people couldn't handle it if, like, they got a flat tire tomorrow. They would have no money to fix that. They Or if their window broke, they would have no money to fix They would be calling people, friends, whatever, maybe using tape to fix it or duct tape or something. Or maybe duct tape might be too expensive, honestly. So we have a America it has always been kind of stratified. There's always been the rich and the poor, but it seems like it's exacerbated, and this word, Triage comes from medicine, you know, triage means you you take care of the people who need the help the most now. Yeah. So that you can save the most amount of people from suffering or or from dying, potentially, if it's like, you know, a battle scenario. So now we're using the word triage with paying bills. This is very, very dystopian almost.
1: A little bit. It's like, oh, I'm eating a meal. Should I eat my rice first or should I eat vegetable first? Because if I don't do either, something's going to go really bad and the whole meal is going to be spoiled. And that's not what meal, that's not what meal is supposed to be like. (laughs) Not the best analogy, but you get what I'm trying to say.
0: It's a real issue. Here we have Americans listening right now. I hopefully that you guys have some savings. You're in the uh, other ninety percent who has some kind of savings up to a thousand dollars. But for those people who can't, that you know, they literally might be choosing. And we've had we've talked about this in former episodes elderly people, Mm. one in five elderly people have to choose whether they want to eat or to buy their medicine. So that's triage bills. You know, do you want to prioritize having food or being, you know, not having dementia? These are very serious issues that we're talking about. And, you know, one in five elderly people, that's 20 percent of our elderly population are dealing with very, very serious questions about not being able to pay their bills. And these are affecting them in dramatic ways.
1: Yeah, very much so. We're just having this conversation earlier with my friends, a couple of expatriates living here. And we're talking about how, and I think Jason, you and I, we talked about this as well, how easy it is to eat well, regardless of how much money you're making here in China. Like if you're not making that much money, people who are considered poor or making, Uh having very little income could still feed themselves with fresh vegetables and, you know, fresh like produce overall for a homemade meal and it's still very well balanced in nutrition and it tastes good Good. the only thing you won't be able to have a lot is to like you know eat in restaurants all the time or getting really expensive maybe like really exotic fruits and stuff but just to like live and eat actual good meals is so much easier for a lot of people here but in america it's very sad if you don't make a lot of money like if you can't spend and I was hearing numbers and it was getting kind of out of hand because when I was there, when I was buying groceries, I would pay every time probably about $100 to buy groceries for that would last for like maybe a week and a half or two weeks
0: what were you buying? Just bought well, like yeah. a hundred. When the last time I was in California with my uh, with my mom, we went we spent two hundred dollars. That was for like a day. What are you? What were you buying? That's insane. I, we were making homemade pesto or something. I don't know. You know, like I guess we're a little too bougie. Huh? I think the best, All right. OK, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but still
1: like even a hundred
0: dollars for me. Any Parmesan cheese for that?
1: Even a hundred dollars for me is still kind of more expensive. And it wasn't I was like intentionally choosing more affordable stuff like I would go for the things on sale and stuff you know butter that is buy one get one free because they're expiring in two months or whatever but apparently that number has gone up even more nowadays if you want to eat good food and i'm assuming whole foods is even more yeah like
0: unaffordable. Oh gosh. I'm I'm uh, pretty sure that you have to I self-identify as being bourgeois in order to go to Whole Foods. You know, that's not true for Trader Joe's as much. Trader Joe's still has some things that are great deals, but like you Whole Foods is out of control, expensive. I think the best way is just to go to like safe way. You know, the, actually you, this is what I did in San Francisco. I was very poor for one year. Yeah. And like this was, you know, last year of my master's program, I was like, I didn't have money. I was actually selling books to eat. Oh, my God. And one of the really great things, go to the dollar store, see what you can buy, then go into the grocery store and then supplement, you know, what you couldn't buy at the dollar store and then you could survive. It was a pretty reasonable way to live for me anyway. Mm. But like Whole Foods, heck no. Oh, my gosh. That is really up there. Um. Anyways, it is challenging and things are worse than I can't even relate to how bad it is because three years of inflation, two years of roughly 9% inflation. This now inflation is down to 5%, which is still unhealthy, but not as unhealthy as in previous times. So it's gotten it's getting worse at a slower rate. Yeah, apparently things are very different now. Yeah, it's not getting as bad as fast as it was before. So now people, like you said, if they have really good jobs, like what Twitter laid off thousands of employees and Facebook laid off thousands of employees. So all these IT people who did have really good jobs don't have those anymore. So they're not going to Whole Foods. Not even better. It's still going bad. It's just not that bad, not that fast. I I guess. But you know what I heard in Florida is where the inflation is worst right now because a lot of people who could remote work actually moved to Florida because they're like, hey, Florida is beautiful. I will move there. And so now in yeah, inflation is insane because housing prices skyrocketed because there's a bunch of different contributing factors. You have rent going up because there's, you know, supply and demand issues, but also a lot of people converting their apartments to Airbnbs. So there are less actual apartments to rent. Oh, my God. If you're living in San Francisco, if you're living in Bay Area and you lose your job, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Airbnb has a way of um, wiping out, making it difficult for high-trafficked real estate to be affordable. It makes it, it compounds the difficulty of it. So Mm. apparently inflation in Florida is really, really bad. And apparently, and this is strange, Atlanta. Because a lot of people in Florida who could no longer afford to live there moved to Atlanta. Yeah. So now Atlanta, anyways. But, you know, still there are people making minimum wage. Just like 10 years ago, there were people making minimum wage. Guess what? Minimum wage hasn't gone up so the people oh, at the bottom are not just, you know, poor. They're dramatically more poor, poorer than they were before, because they're still making the same amount of money for the same amount of hours. Mm. Everything is more expensive.
1: Yeah, you have to put that in perspective with what other people are making nowadays. Oh, yeah.
0: You're listening to the Bridge.
1: This is my observation when I was living in the States as well. I feel like the minimum wage like how much minimum wage is, is affecting a lot of a lot of Americans. And it's not just, you know, this specific group of people. It's like every single line of work. There's people that needs minimum wage to be higher to maintain
0: basic survival rights. I agree with you completely. Here's the thing, you know, and I'm not trying to harp on either party here. You know, when I say that's a terrible economy, I'm not trying to say, oh, this is a Democrat problem because there's a Democratic president. Honestly, I think that has nothing to do with it. I'm not trying to say, Say that Democrats are great, either. There's a lot of people trying to justify Mm. their party politics by pointing to the fact that there's a Democrat and saying, oh, the economy is great. You know what? Yes, it is, in a way. There's low unemployment that is registered. So, yes, it does look like that if you're not poor. If you are not poor, the economy looks good because there are some high paying jobs out there. And there are a lot of Americans where medium wage is going up. So you look at the upper middle class and up and you're like, wow, the economy is doing great. Yeah, but if you look down, it's much, 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 much worse than it was before. That's what I think a lot of intellectuals and academics don't get because they're not in the lower echelon of society and they do not experience it firsthand becoming poorer every year because the economy is developing in this particular fashion. And so I think there's a lot of disconnect between people who are doing analysis and the reality of the people who are worst off.
1: That is a thing that we don't think about. As much. And this, I think it's sort of universal because a lot of these studies, these surveys, even if it says they're talking to people or surveying people that are the target that are so this number is supposed to help. I don't know who they're polling, but it doesn't really get to the kind of the truth of what people are actually going through. And then these data and results are used to be the theoretical base of new policies. That's a little, I'm like, can you figure that out?
0: <laughs> it always seemed to me that, you know, this is one of the I do appreciate about China. In China, it's not, just blatantly communist. OK, firstly, but what it is, is the idea of socialism is embedded in society so that people in charge at various levels look around and they often look first in China at how are the least well off doing. That is something that Chinese society and its politics looks at first. It looks first at. We had a 30 year campaign to end absolute poverty that ended in 2020, but continues now towards this idea of common prosperity. But that raised 800 million people out of poverty. Now, maybe some of that was just because of market forces and, you know, opening up. But a lot of that was people on the ground, moving people around into better communities, changing economic structures, building roads, building bridges, building literal homes for people in some cases, helping people with new agricultural skills, new technical skills, integrating people into national and international markets. So they could sell their produce, giving people uh, telecommunications and cell phones so that they could find the best markets for their products. There was an enormous amount of work done in China for the people who were the least off. Now, the United States, you know, has one quarter of the population of China, but roughly similar mass, you know, land mass. It seems like the United States could also look at the people who are least well off and think about making policies that satisfy those people's needs as a priority. And it could learn from China and take some of these ideas of prioritizing the people who are least well off so that we could live in a more equitable society in America. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. CNN.com, 2023, June 6th, having a tough month. How to prioritize your bills when you can't pay them all. Mm. It's very sad to me. This, The idea that this even needs to be an article by Jeanne Sahadi. So this she, who we've read, we've actually read a few of her articles. So thank you so much for your contribution to the bridge, Jean Sahadi. She mentions that if you cannot pay all of your bills, which is a lot, tens of millions of Americans speak up and that you need to let your creditors know that you're in a jam. Now, I want to tell you about a sitcom. It's an old, old, old old sitcom. It's the original Roseanne. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's the 1980s. You don't have to watch it. It's antiquated. It's no longer keeping up with today's uh, concepts and ideas. But one of the jokes that they they made in this is take your electricity bill Uh and write the check and send it to your water company, take your water bill and sign the check and send it to your electricity company. Mail it off. They'll see that you made a mistake and send them back. And then you have extra time to actually get the money into the account. What I want to say is don't do that. (laughs) But what you can do is call the electricity company and say, hey, I don't have the money. This is why. My kid, you know, they hurt themselves. They had to go to the hospital. I can't afford to pay you and for their bill. Please give me a few extra weeks to pay the bill. And what Gene Sahidi is saying is that very often there are solutions? Quote: There are conversations that can lead to solutions that you would not have known about. So sometimes the people you owe money to, they don't want to turn off your electricity. There are sometimes options to help you out. Well, think about this: If you're an electric company and someone owes you money, or someone is making payments to you, would you rather have them keep owing you money and keep paying, or would you rather turn off their electricity and make it so that they can't continue to consume your product and have them? you more money of course the electricity company wants to keep making money off of you so they're going to try to come to some kind of accommodation so it's very important to communicate with the people that you owe money so that they can help you pay them in a way That matches your capabilities because they don't want you to stop paying. What if you declare bankruptcy? Visa is not going to be happy that you stopped making payments on the $4,000 you owe them. They want you to pay them that $4,000. So they're going to make a payment plan that is suitable for you to pay them so that they can get the money that you do owe them.
1: I mean, I never had to think about that ever since I came back to China. I didn't have to think about not being able to pay my bills because living expense at least utility wise things are a lot more affordable but i guess that can relate and i yeah. i don't know how i would feel if i ever got myself into the situation where i have to worry about calling the electricity company and telling them to give me a grace period so that i can get the extra i don't know i don't know how much you would owe for them to be like you need to pay like i don't know 50 bucks or 100 bucks pay my le- electricity bills and then if i have to do that
0: for my other utility bills that would probably be really st- Dressful really sad. Well, I mean, I have had my electricity turn off in China, but it was not because I owed the company money. It's because there are some old buildings where you have to charge a card and you have to put the card in a slot. And sometimes I would lose track of how much money was on the card. And so I've had the electricity suddenly turn off and I would have to run downstairs to like, you know, the wuya and like pay them a a couple hundred quai to put money on the card and then run back and slip it into the thing so that I would have electricity again. For the last few years, that hasn't been an issue because we can just pay online now. And so, yeah, it just automatically tells you, hey, would you like to top up your electricity? And it's like, yes, I would, because I enjoy light. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And then even if on the off chance that it it is cut off, you just pay the money on your phone and it goes into the meter pretty much immediately. And you push the switch on and then the electricity comes
0: back to your house. Yeah. You just have to throw the switch breaker. That's what it's a breaker. Yes. You have to return on the breaker. Yeah. And then everything's fine. Like you said, you mentioned home cooked meal, but you don't even need to go to that extreme in China. If you are struggling to eat, you could literally go get street food like one of those little sandwiches. I I don't know what they're called. I'm sorry. I apologize for not knowing your culture better. But like they have street food sandwiches and like breakfast for like two Kwai and like 2 RMB for people who don't know back home that's like 40 cents that's like a full on breakfast right here in China there's this idea of something called purchasing power parity and that means your money goes farther in some places than it does in others if you compare the chinese economy to the us economy in terms of gdp in a nominal way mm. china's economy has not yet become as big as the united states It probably won't get there until 2027, possibly 2030. Mm. Some people speculate later or earlier. But in terms of purchasing power parity, how much you can actually buy for your money across a litany of goods, China passed the U.S. economy in like 2013 or so and became the largest economy in the world. What that means, if we're trying to break it down into layman terms, is when you're in China buying most kinds of Chinese goods or goods that you can buy, things cost less Or you can buy more for your money than you can in the United States. So in the United States, if you try to buy like a sandwich, it's going to cost more than it's going to cost in China. Now, you can compare things like Starbucks. And so if you look at Starbucks straight across the board, you actually pay more for it in China. That surprises people. But the thing about it is luxury goods tend to cost the same across any economy because the same corporate boards decide like what something's is going to cost across every country and they usually keep the prices relatively even. So like no matter where it's coming from, they're making roughly the same amount of profit. But most goods that you buy, like are not from that I buy, are not from an international conglomerate. And so if I just go buy like stuff at the grocery store, maybe a couple things are going to be similarly priced because they are international goods. But a lot of those things are just like vegetables and fruit and rice or whatever. So like a lot of that's way, 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 way cheaper in China than it is in the United States. So even though some, people in median income, it's much lower in China. It's still true even by PPP, but it's not as night and day as it looks. The way that people examine the U.S. economy or Western economies and the way that the Chinese economy operates is so different that looking at the pure numbers is not a clear way to get an ideal picture. So even the people who are the least well off can afford to pay rent in China, can afford to buy food, have a place to stay, to buy clothes, to live like a normal life where they have time off and can go play in the park. You know, we're talking about some of the poorest people are still just fine in China. Whereas in the United States, if you're one of the poorest, you know, 10 percent of people, you're literally maybe considering living in a box in a couple months if you can't triage your bills well. And that is something I think a lot of Americans don't understand.
1: Yeah. And then even with other let's say, imported products like coffee, we're talking about Starbucks. We order Starbucks all the time because the delivery is really fast. It's dedicated delivery. You don't have to wait for it. If you order from other coffee shops, it's going to take maybe 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Starbucks usually takes about like 10 minutes. It gets to your
0: door. So it's really fast, right? Oh, come on. It's 20 minutes. You got 10 minutes? Where was the Starbucks next to your house? Literally
1: across (laughs) the street. I'm just too lazy to go down. So. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, yeah. Well, but still, like it gets delivered. It's really fast. Jason, you and I are spoiled to think about if we're <laughs> in the States, no coffee is going to get to your door within even like 30 minutes. But I try to do that. But I just sometimes I just want a big venti cup of coffee so I can I can just gulp gulp. But, you know, nowadays, like there are so many different brands that also make really good coffee. There's Luckin. That's all over China. I'm sure you drink Luckin from time to time. They're good. They're really
0: good. And then recently... I drink Luckin more often than I drink Starbucks, yeah. It's just very affordable.
1: Super affordable. Luckin like for a cup of latte is like what 14 quid. That's like 2 bucks,
0: right? With delivery and everything, the iced mocha with no whipped cream is 25 RMB to my house. But if I buy a Starbucks mocha, it's 41. 41. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And then there's a new brand called Cardi that's like Luckin's
1: like rival. They're, they've opened a million locations. There's- Are they the one with the percent sign? Is it? The, no. A oh, percent sign is Arabica. Like Arabica is like fancy
0: coffee. Because I see them everywhere now too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're really a little bit pricier than Starbucks, but it's actually actually really, really good coffee. Cotty is basically just like Luckin and the, the logo is red and it's all over China now. And it's cheaper than Luckin because they're. I think they're trying to make this competition really fierce. And then the other day, I was at Soho, uh, Soho, this other office building neighborhood. And then I just walked in a random little shop and I bought an iced latte for 15 kuan and it tasted amazing. So there's just so many, so many options. Oh, yeah.
0: You're listening to The Bridge. The first point I mentioned about um, calling your, you know, customer service, that is just a standing point. But Jean Sahidi mentions several bullet pointed ideas. Number one, she mentions, take care of your basic needs first. So housing and electricity are essential to your health and safety. And she says so is health insurance mm. in the United States with the cost of health insurance. I think that actually is a really important thing to say, because if you get caught in a situation where you need medical help and you have no health insurance, you will probably be in debt for the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> I have not a lot of experience, but I have the, the only fight I've had with any institute is with my health insurance and health provider when I was living in the U.S. And I was like I'm paying so much money
0: and this is the service I get. I'm not going to make it peaceful. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes those people actually can be reasoned with, even pathosed with. I had a situation where I was working for a company. I can't say which one because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but I injured my shoulder somehow picking up money. I know that sounds strange. <laughs> was he- How old were you when this happened? <laughs> it was a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> I worked in and dealing with a- a heavy amounts of cash. Mm. Anyways, I-, I injured myself. And so they sent me to like a doctor. It was supposed to be paid for or by like, you know, I don't know, whatever work medical related insurance they had. Mm. So I was like, OK, they said, oh, you're going to be fine. And you know, I was like, okay, cool. And I went back to work like a couple of days later, right? No big deal. Eh. And uh, that I received a bill, and I wasn't supposed to. So I was like, I don't know. I was a very immature person, and so I called my mom. <laughs> I was like, I was like twenty nine years old. Mom, I got this bill, and, they, and I'm not supposed to. And she's like, Oh, what you need to do is call them and tell them that you know you don't owe them that money and like explain why and I was like oh okay that makes sense mom thanks so I called them and that didn't work very well and they were like no no no, you owe the money blah 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 okay and I was like okay so I went to my mom's house and my mom said oh okay take I'll handle this she got on the phone and then there was a new side of my mom I'd never seen before her voice went up like quadruple the volume and her face turned red and about one (laughs) minute later they decided that I didn't owe them any money she said the same things I said but she said it like, I'm going to come get you. Lawyers are coming. Like, I've called this lawyer and that lawyer and you guys are going to be in so much trouble. And do you know who your local representative is? I do. And it was like one, it was like 60 seconds later they decided that it was not my responsibility. It was my employer's responsibility. Wow, I really admire your mom. in <laughs> that scenario. She's got different levels of mom quality. <laughs> That's what every child wants their parents to do when they need their help. Well, now you See why I call my mom, right?
1: Ah, <laughs> that's very. You know, she deserves it. You should call her more often, Jason.
0: I t- I called her earlier today. Told her all my, about how much I love her and and not to uh-huh. sell my paint my painting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been storing stuff at mom's house. You know, moms are good for all kinds of reasons. Okay, yeah. Uh, next one it says next take care of your bills that help you keep your job.
1: Ooh. So
0: it it mentions if you have a like internet. <laughs> well, I guess for you that would make sense, right? Internet and a lot. I think a lot of people, yeah. But also your car you know in America you know you we take this for granted Oh yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting that. In yeah, in China, you could just take the subway or ride or a, a, a Nofo yeah. or, or yeah, or whatever. But if you're in America, if you don't have a car, you're like dead in the water. Your life is over because everything is just roads and cars. Mm. So they don't have the same public transportation infrastructure that we have, unless you're living in a very dense city. And then maybe you have some buses and stuff you can take. Most, you know, 99 percent of people in America, they need a car. Mm. That also means in most, I think every state, maybe I could be wrong. You can email us that we love the bridge at Gmail to come if I am wrong but you need insurance for your car. Even if, you know, you don't need insurance, you probably should have insurance because if you get in an accident without insurance, Mm. you're going to end up in a lifetime of debt also. So it looks like to me, based on her advice, there's literally no bills you can't pay. So this is, how are we triaging here? I'm sorry, Jean Sahidi, you're just basically saying pay all your bills. Yeah, I guess you have to, this
1: is the situation where you said you have to decide, do you want to keep your work or do you want to keep your food on the table, which is
0: actually consequential. She's starting to make sense in this, this next point, then Think about your credit cards. So. It says, quote, these shouldn't be your highest priority bills to pay when you're up against the wall. Now, I'm assuming that if you call your major credit card company and explain that you need your car and so you're paying that bill and that you need to eat so you're going to buy food and that you need to pay your rent so that you have a place to stay, and that you don't have money for your credit card, that they will understand Mm. and find some kind of payment plan that works for you. I'm also assuming and I'm probably right here, that they are going to charge you a massive amount of interest Yeah, for not paying that. So it's not a good idea to not pay your credit card. There are opportunities, though, however, to move the payment to another card with less or smaller amounts of interest or 0% interest. So look for those opportunities before you just stop paying.
1: I did the whole bank thing and with like credit card. I have just, I think I've complained about this a million times. Uh, you have to have enough money. Otherwise, they're going to take more money. So if you don't have enough money, we're going to take more money. I don't know how, I don't know how this logic makes sense. And I wish more people could listen to our show. So you hear <laughs> what I'm saying and you could realize how ridiculous it is that if you don't have enough savings in your bank, then I'm going to take money. And it's not a small fee. Let me, let me also say it's not. Uh, like, for example, it's not like a dollar per month. They're taking, I think, 12 or for some ridiculous amount of dollars every month. So like every year I'm paying hundreds of dollars just to keep my money in the bank because I didn't have as much. It's kind of, I really, I want to, you know what? I'm going to go do a research, Jason, after we finish recording today's show. I'm just going to go do research and see what other banks do this because I maybe I'm spoiled by Chinese banks. I've We've never had to do anything like that, let alone taking a allowing me to take money that doesn't exist in my bank account and then fine me for taking the money that doesn't exist in my bank account. And this is my savings account. This is not my credit card. And then the fee, the fine, not the fee, it's a fine. The fine is like 30 some dollars for like, you know, overdraft. And I was like, We're going to start a campaign. Yeah. And then it comes from, sometimes usually it comes from the, when you set up your card as the primary card for any auto payment for utilities and stuff, the company, for example, the electricity company would take money from your card And you have, for example, they needed to take $40 and you have like $39, and there's $1 extra that didn't exist there. Here in China, they would be sorry your payment couldn't go through because you're, you know, a sufficient amount of money that's still in your Bank of America just takes that money out of your account. And then when you go in, they're like, oh, your balance is negative $1. And plus, here's a little cherry on top. There's a $36 fine on your overdraft fee. Oh, and also because you don't have enough money in your saving account now. We're going to charge you $12 every month for, you know, your account to exist. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous
0: logic of how to rank bank that I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Yeah, America's cruel to the poor. This is exactly my point about China, Chinese culture, Chinese society, civilization and politics, where they take care of the poor first as a priority. America operates in this opposite way. Where it's like those who can't survive are the people who are preyed on the most, which is really cruel that they're taking advantage of their workers this way. Which brings me to a related point to what you're talking about. And this also goes to credit cards and debt because, you know, you don't meet a lot of Chinese people that have credit cards that they use and don't pay back. It doesn't happen. Okay, this is a statistic I have. This is from the IMF, and it goes from 1990 to the year 2000, and it shows the savings rate of people, different economies in the world. The general world average for savings in 1990 was about 25% of their income. That's how much the average person in the world saves. But in 2000, it was about 27% of the income of the average person in the entire world is saved. Now, in advanced economies, it goes down. So the year 2000, it was roughly 23%. Now, in China, in the year 2000, firstly, in 1990, it was about 38 percent savings for the average Chinese person. And into the year 2000, 45 percent of all income earned is the what average Chinese person saves. This is a statistic I think about every couple days, because this is why Chinese people don't have the same problems as people in the United States. People in the United States are surviving on credit. People even have this concept of like, oh, you better have good credit. You better build your credit. If you do this, you have bad credit. If you want to buy a house, you need to use credit. If you want to buy, you know, a laundry machine, you need to get a credit card to buy. it. You can't just buy it with cash. No, you need to build your credit and then you pay it off with cash. And so like America builds this entire scheme, this entire culture, this entire political and social like ideology around having and using credit and owing money. And as a consequence, some people, 10 or 20 or 30 percent of the population of America are sucked under the rug of debt, endless debt for their entire life where they never get out of debt. They're perpetually always in debt, whether it's student loans, credit cards, mortgages, banking, everything, medical debt. Then they live and they die in debt. And in China, it's the opposite. People have money. Your parents have money. Your parents help you buy a house. A lot of people, not everyone, they just buy houses with their family's money, with their own money. Maybe they have a a short mortgage for like five years with like one or two or three percent interest. It is not like in the United States where people depend on credit. And if their credit, if they default on their credit, they are a destroyed person who has to move into a wonderful cardboard box on Hollywood Boulevard. It's a completely different society. And I think one of the things that we can offer as people who have lived in both countries as perspective for Americans, stop using your credit card. Stop having credit cards. You know, firstly, they're in debt. So how do you get out of debt? You know, but once you get out of debt, don't get in debt again. Stay away from credit cards. Credit cards are not your friend. You do not need credit to buy a home. Save money and buy a home. Buy a cheap, a very, very affordable home. Save money. The whole entire American society needs to look. Chinese society and realize there is a better way to manage your finances, though know, the way that Americans manage their finances only services the richest people, because you know who makes money off of your 20 percent interest on your credit card because you are so poor that you can't afford a better interest rate. And now you are just basically it's the richest people who own that company, who invest in that company, who own stocks that invest in Mortgage Stanley and all these giant, massive, super massive companies. Who own the credit cards that you are in debt to? The richest people are making the money off of the poorest people. It is a vicious... I sometimes get upset thinking about it. I apologize. I'm trying to cool off.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. I can't really tell from your voice. You still sound like you were making a very sound argument. But the whole credit card, I don't want to call it a scheme, but the idea of how people are having multiple credit cards and paying off one credit card with another credit card and to a point where people actually go to jail, because I guess when you do too much of that or the amount is too big, then that is considered fraud. It's kind of insane. I don't know how that's a healthy mental status for someone to be in, right? Like I make certain amount of money. I'm going to think about how much I'm going to spend when I don't spend what I what or when I spend to a point, I'll look at it and I'll know that I don't have a lot left for this month for me to survive. But when you are given the option to use a credit card, when they gave you the credit line, they said, oh, you can withdraw, like you can use like $5,000. You're going to think you owe, like you own that $5,000, but you actually don't. Negative, you owe that $5,000 if you did spend it and that affects your credit report, which was so confusing to me. When I was in the States, I was like, they said, don't spend too little of your credit. I was like, what? Isn't it good that I don't have to resort to the money that I don't have? That should add to my credit report because my credit report went down and they were like,
0: I know, it's crazy.
1: Oh, you should spend like a third of your or like over a third, whatever. It was like, I'm like, I don't need to. Like, why do I have to use my credit card if I still have money to spend? It was just very, it was all very confusing. And then I didn't understand because regardless of how your English is, you're still going to make a lot of mistakes when you're living in America. I remember I went to one shop. It was so sneaky. If they asked me, for example, it's not Starbucks. I'm just going to call it a Yeti shop or whatever. They say, oh, do you have a Yeti cart? And I said, oh, no, I don't. They're like, would you like to have one? Would you like to open one? And I thought that was like a membership card because you called it a Yeti card, not a Yeti credit card, right? And so a couple of weeks later, I received a new credit card in my mail. The shop assistant and gave me, like, opened a credit card account for me with whatever bank under their, you know, their, it's, it's like a joint credit card, whatever thing. You get more discount if you use this credit card to shop at this place. And I was like, I didn't want a credit card. I didn't know it was a credit card. And it just happened to have one. And now I have one more credit card. Apparently, that affects my credit score as well. And then I've, I had to, I had to like find a way to close it. And then it was a bank that I was not using. It was so, I was like, oh my God, it's like traps everywhere for me to fall in. So sad.
0: Wow. That's that's the AmeriCredit Credit system. A series of traps waiting for you to fall in. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the bridge. Okay. February 22nd, 2023 by Nick Rutledge. This comes from visualcapitalist.com. They are famous for having really great graphics. Consumer price inflation by type of good and service. So what I noticed is a lot of people think that inflation or mistakenly think that inflation is related to import goods. It is not. So if you look at this list of things, the things that increased them from the year 2000 to the year 2020, and even in the last few years, the trend is roughly the same. The things that are increasing the cost fastest. Number one, hospital services. Mm. This is the cost of your nurse, your doctor, their education Pharmacy companies in the United States making money off of you. This has very little to do with imports. This is what keeps you alive. So this <laughs> is things happening inside of the United States in the actual... Yeah interior economy that are causing hospital service costs to exponentially go up. So it's gone up to more than 200 percent since the year 2000 hospital costs. Okay, next thing, college tuition and fees, the second most expensive thing Mm. that is increased in cost by roughly 175 percent since the year 2000. That is not things being imported. These are not because of supply. A lot of people were told this is because container ships were not getting into the United States, that ports were not able to process container ships, that this was something to do with COVID and things were not able to move. No, I'm sorry, your college tuition has nothing to do with that. Now, your hospital services have nothing to do with that. These things became more expensive over the course of decades because people at universities and people at hospitals have decided that you will pay anything to be educated and healthy Mm. number three college textbooks also increased by roughly 155%. Yeah. Medical care services increased over that same period about 140%. Child care, food and beverage, these are food most food and beverage comes from inside of the United States and then finally housing. These are all costs associated with the United States internal economy. People yeah. profiteering off of you. These are the things that became more expensive. The most Over the last two decades, these are the things that inflation has affected the most that you are paying the most for that you were paying less for before. This does not have to do mm. with imports from Europe, from Africa, from China, from other countries. This has to do with problems of greed in the United States. This is called greedflation. That's what it is.
1: All of the things that maintain your breathing rights and your rights to know this
0: world are getting more expensive. And what's interesting is things actually, some things became less expensive. They became cheaper. Mm. So, And these are things that are imported. Cell phone services, software, toys, televisions where do televisions come from japan china korea where do toys come from china southeast asia bangladesh Software comes from everywhere, honestly. Yeah. But these things became less expensive over the last 20 years. So the things that are becoming less expensive are the things that are being imported. And the things that are becoming more expensive are the things from home.
1: Yeah. So you can't really blame what you're saying. The people are saying it's because of the containers that are coming in. I was like, yeah, because they started to do the show called, uh, what do you call it? Do you know that show where people bid on abandoned containers and oh the storage war I think that's what it's called like these people just go to bid on these containers that are unclaimed for a certain amount of time and then they go in and try to see if they can strike a balance or make more money from these containers and I was like this is kind of funny how people think that there is always something valuable in a container but I just thought of that joke. I think the greatest find was like a whole bunch of professional fishing equipment. I, the Ferrari, Ferrari is not going to let a container go just unclaimed. Check out that show. It's fun. It's fun to watch. But yeah, it's not the containers. Even if the containers are not coming in, it's because they all went on that show with the stomp because that's a joke. But I think that's what I see hospital services being the one that's getting more expensive, the most expensive over the years. It's really sad because everything's getting cheaper and cheaper here to for people to go to the hospital. I mean, unless you got a really, really, really rare disease and that's just the costs, it just has to cost a lot of money to source medicine or treatment or, you know, like opinions from experts around the world, then that's the same everywhere else where no matter what medical system you're in. But in China, most people have very basic medical insurance. And even if you're working for a small company or you're working for whatever company, yeah, it's asked by law that your employer has to pay your social benefits and your social benefits include your medical care. And the medical care is not costly at all. And you can just use that to go to public hospitals. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people, when they first come to China, they're like, oh, there are a lot of people in the hospitals, but things go really so fast and then go downstairs to the pharmacy. You don't have to go to a different pharmacy to get your medicine. The pharmacy is in the hospital. You just go and you wait for a name to be called and then you pick up your medicine and you're done, you're
0: gone. And it may cost a few dollars. It may cost a few hundred dollars for like really complicated stuff. But it's not going to cost you $10,000 like in America. Unless, like Alex said, you have one of the world's rarest diseases or something. Obviously, you could always find some outlier example which disproves the bell curve. But the bell curve is like most people are able to have their medical bills taken care of fairly easily and most medicine is if you were poor you know you have special hospitals special clinics for you specifically and like you said most everyone has this people's insurance Mm. which you know even if you don't have a job you can pay for it yourself did you know that It, it costs a few hundred rmb a month which is like 20 or 30 or 50 bucks a month to have insurance that is as good as pretty much everyone else in the entire country yeah oh yeah Listening to the bridge. Okay, last article, I think CBS News. More Americans are struggling to pay their bills. Here's who's suffering the most June 9th. So, this is about a month ago. 2023 Money Watch. So I guess this is uh, originally from Money Watch. OK, but it talks about most people, the share of people 55 to 64 years old who said they had difficulty paying their bills in the last seven days rose eight percentage points. That's in lot. late April to early May versus a year ago, eight percentage points. Yeah, is if we're talking about all people between the ages of 55 and yeah, yeah, we're talking about a million people, a couple million people are having this more than before are having difficulty paying their bills. I start like 37% of people in that age group report finding it somewhat or very difficult to handle their financial obligations. You know, when you're 64, your last cons- yeah, you should be fishing. Or I don't know, summer hates fishing. You should be flying kites, right? You know, enjoying your life. Yeah. In China, the retirement age for men is 60. So if you're 64 in China, you should be at the park, I don't know, doing a weird shuffle dance, doing yoga.
1: (laughs) uh, That too, sure. Why not?
0: Anything that should make your um, later years enjoyable and relaxing. I find this challenging to, you know, because the generation they're talking about, our boomer generation, they're supposed to be the most well off in American society. So what is going to happen when, you know, Gen X gets up there, Y gets up there, we're going to see these numbers are going to be skyrocketing because the ability of young people to buy a house now Mm. is worse than it's ever been in American history. So the fact that we have 37 percent of people between 55 and 64 already suffering and not being able to pay their bills well, the next generation, we need serious, like, economic policies from Congress to fix these things. You know, when I come on the show, I sometimes when we're talking about money stuff, I get mm. befuddled. And I really, I'm not always talking to the people listening. You know, you guys are, I'm, I'm so happy. But I hope that a lot of you Americans are writing your Congress people and telling them that this needs to be fixed because mm. we need the people in power to start fixing these problems. America is going to be a very different place if more people are thrown into poverty. And it's extremely frustrating reading this material all the time. And really, I hope that people in the United States realize that there is a there are better ways for us to manage our country than this
1: yeah I mean it's built on an idea of spending future money and I feel like it's not making fun of it but I feel like the Boomers have already kind of proved the idea not to be as promising as it sounds so maybe it is time for people to change thinking a little bit, at least explore other alternatives when it comes to managing your financial situations.
0: I hope that there is a better national retirement scheme being developed that can help our senior citizens. Because the data here in the same article, it talks about people who are younger, people who are 40 to 54, 39 percent are also struggling to pay their bills, which is higher. Mm. But imagine when those people are older, they're not going to be able to hold down the same jobs. If you're 45 years old, sure, you could work at the docks, right? Mm. But when you get 60 Four years old. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. Your back isn't going to let you. Your knees are not going to let you. And then you may not be able to get any kind of job. Yeah. So it's very. And then younger generations, you know, in your generation, 25 to 39 year olds, 35 percent are not able to pay their bills. Mm. And, and you know, again, it seems like less of a problem when you're young. But when you're getting older, this these problems are going to be compounded because you're going to have health issues. You're going to owe medical bills. Yeah. Maybe you did finally manage to buy a house, but now you have a mortgage for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's very frustrating that America, as wealthy as it is, it only takes care of the wealthiest people and it takes care of them amazingly well (laughs) and that they live the most posh life of most people in the entire world. If you're upper middle class or above in the United States, you're like floating on an ice cream or whatever. Yeah. But everyone else is not. And it's and their plight is different. There are still over 700,000 homeless people in the United States, which is a rise from the 600,000 last year so people are out on the streets you can see it when you go I've seen a lot of video and I saw it the last time it was in San Francisco just a few years ago Mm. Uh, it was like Three years ago, San Francisco looked way different than it looked 10 years ago. There were a lot more homeless people running around, cardboard boxes, people doing drugs on the street. And a lot of people see this. It's not just liberal cities. It's conservative cities, too. The United States needs a revamp. We need to start caring for the people who are having the hardest time caring for themselves. It's hard to raise yourself up by the bootstraps, the American philosophy of that. If you're already working a full-time and a part-time job trying to support your two kids and you can't pay the bills. We who have need to start taking time out of our lives to try to create a better system so that the people who are suffering the most can breathe a little easier.
1: Yeah. And it's not just about building more shelters, you know, or having more campaigns to ask people to care about the homeless population. It really needs some rethinking of how to bring up the entire society and maybe certain things are overlooked in today's day and age with everybody having their own cause to advocate for. A lot of stuff probably needs people to unite
0: together to change. Sorry if I've been a very passionate. Again, if you guys want to email us, please email us at at gmail.com and we'll be happy to read your comments on the air. We love to do that. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your time, Alex.
1: Thank you, Jason. It's always lovely talking to you.